Convicted me, compared me. You're the only one, the only wise God, who's the I am that I am. You are the first and the last. You're the beginning and the end. You're the bright and the morning star. There's no one or nothing overthrow purposes, your plans, your kingdom agenda. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you here this morning that we, as your people, get to hear come to a greater understanding of all of your plans and your purposes for each of us. Lord, help us to hear by the power of your Holy Spirit. Remove any impediments, hindrance, blockage that would get in the way of your truth your word being spoken here today. I am nothing but a feeble man. And now I pray, Holy Spirit, you breathe upon me. Grant me that anointing to preach, to speak, to proclaim, to herald. And that you would bring to my mind, to my thoughts, Every word, every syllable, every phrase that would be needed for the moment as you open my mouth to speak here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, Reed, Shayla, Quest, DJ. It's good to be in the house of the Lord stand to our feet and read from, I keep saying our chairs should be coming in soon and we're going to be reading from the word of God which is get you to hold it in your hand and you can follow along with me. Just a few verses today starting with verse 6 to verse 11. And so when they had come together they asked him, Lord Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, and as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come 
in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The grass withers and the flowers fade. You may be seated. Calling this Acts part the beginning of Christianity in the church in the first 40 days, part three. Where after Jesus was resurrected from the grave, man who was alive and died, and now he's alive again, true life, Zoe life is like we like to call it. He's resurrected from the grave, and Luke, who's the writer of Acts and both the Gospel of Luke, is the only New Testament writer that speaks of Jesus' 40 days of earthly ministry to his disciples who later became apostles. And it says to us in verse 3 that after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive. Can you imagine this? He's died. Imagine that I died. You know, I keep telling you I'm going to die. And then y'all see me again. I'm back up here preaching and I got all kinds of stuff in my, in my body. That would be pretty expensive. And, and then he's eating. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, what did Jesus do with the food? And then, so you got to, you know, like, I mean, he's eating broiled fish. I mean, I don't know if he ate it all. I don't know what he did. You know, he's sitting there. Peter, give me that. You don't need that. You, get, you need to lose some weight or something. And he ate the fish. What did he do with it? He was a man who was alive. He was killed, suffered, and now he's alive again. Able to walk through walls and things of that. We call it the glorified body. And the word of God says in verse 3 that he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. Appearing to them over a period of 40 days. And he was speaking to them about the kingdom of God. King Jesus. It has been almost 2,000 years since Jesus has audibly in earthly way address his followers in an audible earthly way 2,000 years this is the last of it and these words from Jesus were his parting last words to his disciples then and all of his disciples now you're in this room you're a follower of Jesus you're a disciple these are his last parting words before he ascended to heaven. Those words will come back to us, but I want to go this way. Jesus' last parting words. But in our contemporary world right now, some of you are going to laugh when I say this, we hear phrases and statements both within the church and outside the church walls that contrast the last words of Jesus before his ascension to his people. It's the phrases of living your life, your best life now. How many of you have heard that? Those books sell like pancakes. You write a book on finding and doing your purpose right now, it will sell. 
you will be on the Amazon best-selling list. Finding your best life now. Finding and pursuing your purpose. Accomplishing all of your dreams and your goals. We hear that each and every day. These phrases and statements, they permeate our ears daily. But Jesus' words here in Acts 1 through 6 through 11, it addresses the mission, the purpose, the calling that every believer that every disciple and every Christian and every believer should have. It should be up on your refrigerator. Every morning you should see it. What I'm about to say today. Because Jesus, by his own words, he is very clear. His words are very intentional. And the mandate to his people, the church, are very explicit. There is no wiggle room. You might be saying, well, Jesus is talking to PA, but he's bypassing it. No, he's talking to you too. Talking to your children. They to become followers of him. He's talking to everyone in the room. Which leads me to my important statement. It's one you should keep. Write notes down. Here it goes. Everyone under the sound of my voice here today, and those who will hear this sermon on the internet through the Podbean and iTunes. Some of y'all probably didn't know, we record our sermons. So you can go on www.urbanhopecc.com and look up, I think it's in media or resources, one of the two, and you will find our sermon. So if you want somebody that wants to hear this, you can forward that sermon to them, whether they have an Android, which I think is the best phone, but for those of you who have um, the guy with the, with the apple that's kind of bitten off, then you go that route. But I'm telling you, and I've been around 55 years, the best phone is an Android. But the best iPad is an I, you know, Apple. So I'm in both worlds. But the best phone, hands down, is an Android. But if you are a believer, a follower, and a disciple of King Jesus, the Messiah, and you really want to know, Pastor Hardy, I want to know today, what is my purpose? What is my calling? What goals and dreams should I have? I promise you, I promise you that I will answer those questions today in this sermon. You're sitting here and say, man, I really want to know my purpose. How many of you have asked that question in 2023 years? I want to know my purpose. Come on, don't be afraid. Stick your hand up. Say, I really want to know my purpose. Man, God's going to speak to you today. He's going to answer it. Come on, Holy Spirit. He's going to answer that question. It's going to be loud and clear. Say, man, I really want to know why I'm going to put on this earth. He's going to answer it. But before I answer those questions, I want to address what tends to be the struggle as a follower of Jesus and what I see as a struggle for many Christians today. I have this struggle. It was a struggle with the disciples. 
who spent 40 days with him after his resurrection and three years with him in his earthly ministry. So they've been hanging around Jesus for a while. So you got to imagine if the disciples who was with Jesus for three years and then 40 days after he died and he's eating with them, he has his resurrection glorified body that he can walk through walls, he can reappear and appear and go back to heaven and doing all of this. And there was, he's teaching them and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And they still struggle. How much us here today? I'm going to tell it myself. I struggle with it. It's right here in the text. I call it, it's a human struggle. You're human. The struggle that we would have to fight until our last breath. It's a struggle for the church here in America. It's all over the place right now. And I pray that as you send this sermon to people, that people will take notice and get back on mission to that which Jesus has called us to. Pastor Hardy, what is that struggle? Here it is. Verse 6. Let's put it up on the board. Verse 6. And so when they had come together, they asked him, King Jesus, coming and going, King Jesus, holds still in his hand, holds in his feet, has a beard. That's why I wanted a beard. I don't know if it was gray, but he had one. Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're asking Jesus, and this is Jesus' last audible word to his people that Luke is telling us. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This phrase, restore the kingdom of Israel, is like our statement of today. Let me give you some. We heard it over the last four years. Made a lot of people mad. Make America great again, Jesus. <laughs> can you imagine if that, we were sitting down in front of Jesus, I could see us sitting down. Jesus, when will you make America great again? <laughs> I can see Jesus down there. <laughs> How long? It's that kind of a statement that the disciples are asking King Jesus. When will you make, restore Israel, King Israel again? Okay. It's like for some of us, African descended, take us back to the homeland, you know, peace and shalom before slavery. For colonization. Take us back to that time. It's any kind of an earthly, social, political, utopian dream of former glory where things were right or good. You have them in your mind right now? It's the Tony Big Mark Church. I hear people say, oh, man, I can't do anything. Big Mark's gone. Now, understand, people have been dying for a long time. But it's just something about Big Mama. When she was here, she just made good things. She, when it was the worst day, Big Mama knew how to make it good. That kind of way of thinking about it. 
things that we, we think that we can do to make it right through the kingdom politics of this world. Now, we got EJ. He's an elder here, politician. So better nuance that. You can be the president and be a Christian. But I'm talking about something here that we as humans struggle with. And I know for myself, I find myself falling prey to the kingdom of politics around me all the time. I have to fight it. And I find myself trying to bring about justice, freedom, restoration, some kind of shalom through the kingdom of this world. I try it all the time. So what the disciples were asking, when will you, King Jesus, restore the kingdom to Israel? Disciples were concerned about an earthly restoration of Israel. In many ways, we got to give the disciples who are all Jewish, we got to give them, we got to be understanding with them. Here's why. The Jews were under the rule and the enslavement of the Romans. The Romans were not nice people. They were brutal. They were taking over the world at that time. They were the only power. And they were brutal in their occupation of Jerusalem and everywhere they occupied. So the Jews were, were longing, they had been longing and expecting for a Messiah uh, who would expel the oppressive, evil Romans. You know, me and Greg was talking about this. This is why you got to read the Bible. Jesus never really addressed the Romans. They were all around him, <laughs> enslaving people. And he never said, to you know what, those Romans are really evil, and I'm going to send them all to hell. You never find any scripture like that. Let me go down to the courts and see what I can do to make the Romans treat people really nice so they can get to their best life now. You won't find Jesus saying anything about that. He's right there. He can see him. He can see all those legions, thousand soldiers coming up and through Jerusalem, all through Galilee. Jesus, you're king. Why won't you address that? They got people in slavery. Jesus, did you not write Michael 6, 7, and 8? Come on, Jesus. He never mentioned the Romans. And the Romans were the ones that crucified him. So the disciples, these Jewish disciples, they were expecting a Messiah who would expel the oppressive, evil Romans and set up an earthly, ethnic, national kingdom. Therefore, a political, territorial kingdom where the Jewish people would be brought back to their former glory when King David ruled and the Gentile nations would all be restored. That's what they're asking, Jesus. When are you going to do that? So them evil, oppressive Romans can be in Hades. Burn up. But Jesus being sweet Jesus as he is. He didn't rebuke them. Like he did in, to Peter in Matthew chapter 16 when Peter said, you must not go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. Jesus said, get ye behind me, slew foot, <laughs> Satan, Beelzebub, the devil. He didn't, he didn't rebuke Peter and his disciples for asking that. 
verse 7, he says, but it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father hath fixed by his own authority. See? Let me encourage some of you. Some of you, you hear people, last days, last days. I get it. Last day is going to come and last day is going to come. Jesus says here, hey guys, you're asking something in, in some sense, it's above your pay grade. You haven't gone to enough seminaries, enough seminaries to understand this. There ain't a book written on this side of heaven that can help you understand this. I know you want to know what day and what hour heavens are going to split. And you want to be able to go in and get all your bucket list in. <laughs> Skiing and all that stuff. Diving underneath the oceans. Some of you want to do all kinds of crazy stuff. Go up on the highest mountain. Fly a kite. Jump down. I mean, I see them little shows on YouTube. I say, man, I want to fly around, jump up one of those mountains and fly around. You know, that's kind of my bucket list. But I want to be close to dying when it happens. Wheels, everything is in order, then I'll try it. Because I don't even like flying an airplane, but I would do that. That's one of my bucket lists. But Jesus is saying, hey, you don't, that's above your pay grade. That's in my Father's hands for you to know the times and the seasons when all of this is going to be wrapped up. And so Jesus was was clear to his disciples and to us. You hear people all the time, they got conferences on this stuff all the time. Just nonstop. He's coming back in 2000. I remember in 2007, I got caught up in that stuff. God knows my heart. And uh, it was the uh, 2K, what was it called? Y2K. Some of y'all were not even born yet, but it was around. And so they said the computer market was going to shut down. And I went at the Lowe's. I was working with FedEx. I bought two three generators. <laughs> I stocked up, Sandy, remember? Stocked up the whole basement with water. Man, I had enough water to feed all of Africa. Water got contaminated and stuff. Because I was using it from the faucet. I didn't know what I was doing. But I was like, the world's going to come to an end. I'm not going to be able to get on my computer. And we're going to go into the dark ages. And when all that stuff was done, the next day, I remember the class was like, yes, sir, I'm waiting. Everybody's waiting. <laughs> you know, power's going to go out. Folks going to start shooting. I didn't have a gun, so I would have been shot right away. Now I have one, but I didn't have one then. <laughs> you know, and nothing happened. You know what I did? Because I worked with FedEx, and I had loads on my route, and I had all them generators. Guess what I did? I took them right back <laughs> that next day <laughs> and got my money back. <laughs> have no need for three generators. <laughs> didn't know how to work them anyway. <laughs> Still don't know how to work a generator. So Jesus said, don't worry about that. And I was worrying about the end of the world. I was too idle. But remember what I said, that I was going to tell us all what our purpose is, our calling, our mission in this life as a follower and a believer of the Messiah. Who has saved us and rescued us 
from the kingdom of darkness. And so now we come to verse 8, which is the most important verse in the book of Acts. And it is the foundational foundation for which the rest of the book of Acts pertains and all of Christianity overall. This is the foundational text. And these are Jesus' last words to the disciples then and now in an earthly ministry platform. Because he's about to ascend. He's about to leave. But he's been making the promise of his father that was going to come, that was going to come and be with us, that we would not be orphans, but he was going to send someone. So he's saying to his people, so you want to know your purpose, your calling, your mission in this world, in this short vapor life. James says life is a vapor. It's a puff of smoke. It's like, oh, all of eternity. Remember Robbie Holt, he, little short guy, he ran around the sanctuary. He said eternity, and he kept walking around. There's no end to it. That's the world that we're uh, moving towards, that world. But in this, that we live now in this earthly, temporary world, it's a vapor of smoke. A hundred years is nothing to God. And so Jesus says to him, verse 8, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all the Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says you will receive power. When he comes upon you, who? The Holy Spirit the third person of the Godhead. And you will receive power. This Greek word is dunamis. It's dynamite power. It's explosive power. It's the, the power to, to be able to exert force to do something and performing some function like I'm doing now. I have told you in my natural ability, I wouldn't want to talk in front of anybody. But when the power of the Holy Spirit comes. It doesn't matter who's in front of me. It doesn't matter who I'm talking to because it's not me. It is the power of the Holy One that's in me that is moving me. Jesus is telling his disciples, it's the power of the Godhead, third person, dynamite power. power of God that flows through us. It's the power to do that which you cannot do in your own power. If you stutter like I did, but the Holy Spirit doesn't stutter. So some of y'all, when I meet my oldest son, Ahmad, I named him Ahmad Rashad. I was in a different state of mind. I had my hand today, I had the little fist. I was in that mindset. So I named my first son Ahmad Rashad. Islam. 
Arabic, Muslim. Amar has my impediment. When he comes, he's in the social work. Now, my doing what I used to try to do, he's going to transform the world through kingdom politics of this world. Him and I fight all the time. We get on the phone. He's going to Bernie Sanders, everybody over there. We're going to fix the world and make everything right. So, my, that's not going to happen in, in no green day. But you don't know that because he, he don't believe this King Jesus stuff. But that's another story. But here it is. I stutter. But when you hear a mind, Sandra Tate, Mike can't get his words out. You, y'all listen to me now. You see me up here talking clear. Ahmad sounds just like I used to sound. He cannot talk. Ahmad come up here and address the audience. And here's what he would say. He would say, no, he would go, he can't do it. So what happened to me? That power that Jesus says, what you can't do by your own strength, I'm going to come upon you. That power. If you stammer, the Holy Spirit doesn't stammer. If you are afraid today, you're just fearful of everything. You're just afraid of the dark. You're afraid of ants. You're afraid of bugs. You're afraid of what my wife calls those big old giant roaches down here. <laughs> Bigger than this handkerchief I got in my hand. Running around your house saying, deuces up, throwing up crimson and blood signs. I own this piece. No, you don't. I'm calling all. I remember me saying the first guy down here, and I come over here in Fairfield. We lived over by Briarwood. I came home. Man, she had to order everything from Amazon. She had assets. She had lime. She had snake venom. Man, she had all kinds of stuff from Amazon. We had never seen roaches that big. Then they told me and said, well, we were renting a house. Well, you have to go underneath the house and change out something. I said, man, you must think I'm crazy. A northern kid from the south. I'm from the south, but I don't have the south in me no more. I'm straight Michigan now. I'm not going underneath nobody's house. <laughs> you, <laughs> but you're just afraid. Afraid to die. The Holy Spirit isn't afraid of anything or any devil. The Holy Spirit would embolden you. It would make you bold and courageous. You're just scared to talk to people at work. So when you're at work, you say, well, Pastor Hardy says that power will come upon me. I'm at work. Holy Spirit, boldness. Next thing you know, you're looking at the person. Hey, man, you know about Jesus? Let me tell you something. That's the power. That's the boldness. You forgot about you. You all quiet and sweet. You wouldn't say nothing to anybody. But you say, Holy Spirit, help me. Oh, praise God. I can't tell you. Jesus said, you know, your mouth is open. You're like, what happened? Holy Spirit talking through you. You can't remember the scriptures? Then the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind those things that you have read and heard when you need it the most. You're sitting there trying to witness, and the Holy Spirit, whoa, where that scripture come from? Well, I read it at Bible study last Wednesday night when Brother Chad was talking about it. Can't get along with your wife or your husband. The Holy Spirit will grant you the power to love and forgive. I said the last night, she said, oh, she got me in the sermon again. So I had to go ask her. So I go in the room, she in the bedroom, I said, babe. <laughs> almost 26 years. I said, when did we get it right? When did the Holy Spirit come involved? Because I says, 
On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest. This is what I'm talking about. 10 being the best. <laughs> I said, where would you put our marriage in the first 12 to 15 years? I said one in my mind. I go in the room, what do you think? She said, probably one and a half to two. I said, what changed that? Lord, help me forgive Sam for saying things to me that made me mad and I want to get back at him. Holy Spirit, help me to do something that I wouldn't normally want to do. Holy Spirit, help me, help me. Because what I was trying to do was trying to live the marriage in my own strength. As though there was no helper, as there, there was no advocate, as there was no one there to help me live the Christian life. I've said it before, you cannot love yourself without the Holy Spirit. We were fighting all the time. Church in the morning, we got to do something. Driving down the road fighting. Now we are ministry, executive, executive. I'm like, how did all this happen? Holy Spirit. That power. Then he goes on to answer the question. your calling and purpose. Here's what he was saying. According to King Jesus, this should and is the purpose and mission that we have. Man, it hit me. I said, wow, these words really hit me. He says, to be my witnesses. This word witnesses in the Greek Martyrs, we get our word martyrdom, where we are killed or suffering for faith. The word literally means one who testifies about Jesus, proclaiming the gospel, which is the good news. He said, and you will be my witnesses. See, if you're a Christian here today, and I said, I put the mic in front of you, you should be able to testify. Help me, Jesus. I was messed up from the floor. I was a thousand kid. I had fear all up and down in me. But Jesus Christ came into my life, my true father. And I can remember how things began to change in my life. You should be able to testify what Jesus has done in your life. The drugs and the alcohol and the, and the womanizing and all the things we used to do. If you've been bound by porn, but Jesus has set you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Testify. Testify to your neighbors on your left and on your right and your family members. This Jesus is the real deal. So Jesus says this power will come upon you. And you will testify, will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, right where you live. You're in Jerusalem right now. And then you will go to your neighborhood closest to you, which is Judea. He said, start where you live. When I got saved, I didn't go across town to start telling folks about my story. I came right back to the barbershop where I used to curse and say all kinds of unclean things. 
Here's a new man. The old has passed away. There's a new Louisville in the house. That's what they used to call me, Louisville, because I was from Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know how that name got connected to me, but I liked it. They would pass me the drink. Done with that. Here, smoke this. Done with that. Well, who do you think you are? I've been raised from the grave out of the dead man. I wasn't alive. I was looking for love and, and hope and happiness in all the wrong places. I was running around in the graveyard. That's what sin is. It's just living in the graveyard, trying to find peace and happiness. But I met a Jesus who's giving me real joy. And here's what I can tell you, young brothers. It's not the joy that the world can give it to you because the world can't give you this joy. This joy comes from the joy maker, King Jesus. And then Jerusalem, and then you went to Judea. Then he says, now then I want you to start in Jerusalem and Judea and then go to Samaria. What's in Samaria? It's the people that the Jews hate. They don't like the Samaria. It's like a white person getting saved in the 1940s. But Bull Connor's running around. He says, you can't hang out with those black folks. But I've heard from King Jesus that I need to go to the places we wouldn't want to go to. Because we got all kinds of stereotypes about those people. But Jesus says, go to Samaria. And then he says, to the ends of the earth. So this is why we support funding missionaries in Russia, in the Middle East, in Africa, in Haiti. We're making a priority of our budgets financially, personally, to support people who are taking this good news to the ends of the earth, getting the message out. But why? Why do we do all of this? Why do we give our money away, support the church? Here's the reason why. My first slide and only slide. Here's why. So I want to make it plain to us, because if you lose this, you will not talk to your neighbor. You won't talk in Judea. You won't talk in Jerusalem. You won't testify in Samaria. You won't testify anywhere. If this scripture is not resting on your heart, Here's the reason why. Verse 30, for the times are ignorance God overlooked. He overlooked the past. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. Because, here's why. He has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. If they either have the righteousness of Jesus that comes by faith, or they have their own man-made human righteousness that will not be sufficient enough on the day of judgment. Rappers are dying, people are dying, Tupac dying, Biggie Small dying, and they didn't have this righteousness on them. There is no rest in peace for the wicked. But he says, judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. King Jesus. 
says, there's a day coming. But don't you know? That's why we witness. That's why we testify. That's why we talk to people. That's why Jesus said, according to Jesus, this is your purpose. This is your mission. You want to be a business owner? Make sure it comes through where you're able to testify to your boss. Whatever you want to do, make sure it gives you more room to be able to do what Jesus has called you to do. And so when you come in front of him, and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because of your faithfulness and testifying about me to your right and to your left, many were made alive. Many came to know me. Many was brought from death to life. And many of them took on the righteousness that comes to us by faith in Jesus. Enter in to the joy of our Father. That's the purpose. That's the mission. That's the calling. That's why you're living. That's why God said, that's why you've got breath in your body. Go testify. And then I end with this. Come to the ascension. Just put the rest of the bomb in of um, chapter one up. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, holes in his hand, I was just imagine. I'm standing there in front of him. The Bible said he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And they looked at him. While they were gazing into the heavens, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, angels, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking? You can almost hear the angel say, you just heard him. Angels were saying in Ebonic, in what I've been, I like this word, say less. <laughs> Ain't no more nothing to be said. Say less. Y'all heard him. <laughs> he got any more words? Say less. Why are you standing here? <laughs> That's what a lot of Christians are doing. Times and seasons. They look. Jesus say, say less. <laughs> They're standing there looking into the heavens. The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into the heavens. Called the ascension. Let me give you a few pointers. I'll be done here. Two minutes. How the ascension works itself into our theology. The ascension, this was Jesus' return to heaven from where he had come in the first place. From heaven to earth, Jesus all the way from the cross to the grave. I can't sing like great now, man. I'll be trying though. I mean, one day they're going to put the mic on me. I'm just going to go for it. I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to say? Holy Spirit, please can sing with that Holy Spirit on her. I can do the same thing. The Holy Spirit says, let me back away from that. <laughs> You're going to mess me up. <laughs> it also signals, this is important, the end of his earthly ministry. And that he has completed all that he has given to do. Coming to this earth. It signifies finishing. Suffering, trials, 
40 days and be fruitful and multiply. And then, what, what is Jesus doing right now? Jesus is the earthly body is seated to the right hand of the Father as the high priest for us. Occupying the position of ruler on God's behalf. This is what the whole Psalms are talking about. You hear David prophesying that. Come sit here until I make my enemies a footstool. That's what he's doing. He's ruling and reigning, sitting right next to his father. Who's here? Holy Spirit, right? He will only speak of those things that he hears from the Father and the Son. Holy Spirit will never speak against Jesus. So that's why somebody said, I'm hearing the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this. Well, I know the Holy Spirit. Like we saw what happened last Sunday. That pastor. Holy Spirit, somebody know it text me. The Holy Spirit could not have told him that. <laughs> y'all, have I tried to do that here? Some of y'all can see Dion say, go. Dion said, get the strap. (laughs) That's not the Holy Spirit. So he's sitting right to the right hand of the Father. In his ascension, he's in the heavenly sanctuary. According to Hebrews 9, 24, Hebrews 12, 22 to 24, and according to Hebrews 4, 16, Jesus has gone through, he is, he's, I, let, me read, let me read it from Hebrews 4, 4 16. Since he, we have a great high priest, which is Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect, respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is sitting next to the throne. You're hurting? He heard it. You ever been rejected? He was rejected and despised by his own. And what is he doing in this heavenly ministry? Romans 8.34 says he's interceded for us. He's interceding for you. And at the heart of that intercession, I close with this text. At the heart of Jesus' intercession for us is that he's continually praying on our behalf that we will be filled and refilled again with the Holy Spirit. To do what? To do exactly what To be about the work of witnessing and testifying until our very last breath. So with this being said, close your eyes. Holy Spirit is in continual filling up. We leak, we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit, we quench him. He's trying to get us to go left, we're trying to go right. He's trying to get us to do exactly what Jesus says, but we don't want to testify. We don't want to open our mouths. And all day long, we're just grieving and restricting the Holy Spirit. And so part of our confession here today, as we get into the book of Acts, I'm asking God that he would set Fairfield on fire, that be a move of God, that his people will be set on fire. And we begin to walk with the Holy Spirit in spirit and not 
rejecting them and whatever. So in this moment here, as we understand clearly now, as every believer, our purpose in this world is to be a witness for Christ. Doesn't matter if you own your own business, doesn't matter if you've got a, whatever your dreams are, make sure your dreams line up with this one. This is why you have breath. This is why you live. If you want Jesus to take you on that day when he comes and starts coming, that you are a faithful witness for him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, you see the hearts of your people. We confess to you that we, like the disciples that asked you, when would you restore the kingdom back to Israel? Lord, we have our human issues that are before you. We struggle to see the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom that is, the kingdom that's eternal. And Lord, we confess that we get caught up in the things of this world that is passing by. The buying of houses and cars and all of those things and new furniture and this and that. All of these things in a hundred years won't mean anything. Lord, we confess that we want to, after we've heard this word here today, Lord, we want to be realigned, recommitted back to the mission, back to the witnessing that you've called us to do, and that you said you would give us the Holy Spirit to do this, that we would not have to do this in our own strength. And so, Lord, we come to you right now saying, fill us up again, Lord, with the Renew that fire in us that we had when we first became born again. Bring us back, the Lord, to where we talked about you all the time. We witnessed to our neighbors, our girlfriends, and our boyfriends. We were a, we were a walking testimony of who you were and who you are. Because of life and the things of this world and all the things that, that worked itself into us, Lord, Lord, we've grown numb. We've grown numb. But come, Holy Spirit, right now. Refill us again, revive us from the top of our heads down to the soles of our feet that we will be set on fire to be that voice, that witness, that testifies on our jobs, when we're working out, when we're in the grocery store, when we go back to a family reunion, when we do whatever we do, that we will be testifying that you, Jesus, because we know, Lord, according to your word, that the day that you have fixed, that you will judge people. And, Lord, we don't want our family members to never have been heard about the good news where they would die and be put and separated from you in the lake of fire that burns eternally. Jesus, set us ablaze. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Renew us back to the work and the mission of witnessing. We thank you for it now. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Please stand to your feet as Pastor Chad makes his way up here to give.